The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. I'm Clay Link here with Rotowire.com's lead prospect writer, James Anderson. James, your third version, 3.0, of ranking the rookies going up on the site soon. Should be up by the time most people are listening to this. Uh, but before we get to that, I did notice right before we started the show, you posted a note on Nate Pearson to the site. Sounds like we will see him this year. Yeah, there was a really good article uh, by The Athletic from a couple days ago. I'd recommend you uh, check that out. Um, highly recommend everything that The Athletic puts out. But uh, it was basically just uh, all the beat writers for all 30 teams sort of picked a player they expect to debut and a player who's in camp but is unlikely to debut. Uh, and that was a invaluable resource for this article and i mean i think it kind of goes without saying that we all sort of expected pearson to be up at some point this year but uh was just good to get sort of confirmation from their beat writer that that probably will happen uh albeit after they manipulate his service time 
Yeah, do we know any more about that? Do we know about the seven-day rule or any any follow-up on that that you've seen? Nope, just keep a guy down for seven days, get an extra year of control. It's really stupid, but um, yeah. that's, that's the way it's going to be. I see. Yeah, so, you know, that obviously with the shortened season and major league teams not really generating any revenue aside from TV deals, um, I can understand wanting to, you know, control costs a little bit for the future years and, you know, gaining that extra year, but it is just a frustrating rule to have in place in Major League Baseball. And I think it takes a lot of these exciting youngsters off the table. Like I I saw that latest live BP homer from Jared Kelnick, and it's like, you know I love those BP videos. And then make it live BP, and wow. But I just, I feel like he's probably on the other side of the coin where I don't expect to see him in big league games. Yeah, I'm not taking anything off the table with any of the players that are in. Uh, I mean, there there are definitely players in each camp where I would say 0% chance, but even with guys like Kalanick and Franco, uh, I just, I'm not taking anything off the table for this year because it's an unprecedented situation. Mm-hmm. You could have, uh, you know, you could have multiple players on a team like hit the COVID list at some point this summer. I mean, any, anything's possible um, with with some of the, the very best prospects in the game, um, especially the guys on contenders. And I, look, I don't think the, the Mariners are going to approach this year like a typical uh, rebuilding team anyways with regards to how they're going to handle their prospects. And while it's a 60-game season instead of 162 games, um, I still don't. I still don't think it's completely off the table that those guys debut, but they are further down these rankings. Nice. Yeah, I probably went too far by saying it takes him off the table. I I don't expect to see him, but yeah, anything could happen. And uh, if there are a bunch of COVID cases on the team, they they don't have that deep farm system to dig into. They just have those 60 players uh, to use this year. So, yeah, I uh, I don't know what to, to think about Kelnick, but I – I still lean toward not seeing him, but I, who knows? We'll, it's, it will be a crazy year. I know you uh, you and I signed up back for a main. I'm excited about that, James. Uh, who are we taking, by the way? <laughs> oh, man, I can't wait to see the, the draft order. Um, yeah, well, we're going to be doing it uh, the, the 23rd, right? So, yeah, the night before um, every be, day. I mean, I think... Are there not any games on the 23rd? I thought there were. Oh, maybe. I, I thought that there might be a couple, but um, yeah, I think we'll be doing maybe the last main event draft of the of the season. Right yeah, now. I wanted to make it as late as possible just because of all the, the uncertainty. Everything's kind of hitting the fan right now. With the news, we don't know the status of a lot of players, and you guys like Carlos Martinez maybe heading to the bullpen, and that takes that kind of closer speculation yeah. off the table. Although Ryan Helsley getting some pub now. Uh, yeah, Rod testing positive. Just a lot up in the air. Jesus Lazardo. That's kind of that's that's my thinking too. Is I, I know that there's an argument um, for drafting as soon as possible before ADP gets out there, but uh, I don't think the 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 roster that wins the main event is probably going to be a roster that was not hit hard by injuries or COVID yeah. tests. So to me, I just I want to have the best chance possible of drafting all healthy guys and, and all guys that uh, do not have COVID. So 
um, that would be as late in draft season as possible, right? And that's that's when we'll have the most information. Um, so I, I definitely think there's an, an edge to be gained in theory by drafting early, but I also think you're just leaving a lot to chance. Yeah, I think so too. And do yourself a favor, stay up on our news notes at the site, com. Our news crew is doing fantastic job covering everything, and yourself as well, James. Um, it's just, yeah, you have to stay up on every little bit of info. I saw DJ LeMayhew to the IL. Uh, just tons of little things up in the air. We we just don't know, but uh, you have to stay on top of the news, and that'll be kind of what separates people this year. If you if you're on top of everything, you just cram your brain full of uh, full of information. You'll you'll do all right, uh, especially in your drafts. But James, um, let's get to your article here: ranking the rookies 3.0 tier one impactful hitters. You kind of flip flop these top two, didn't you? Because I remember Gavin Lux being up top initially. What was behind the minds the the process here and the decision to flip flop Gavin Lux and Luis Robert? Really just as, as simple as Lux not being at camp right now, which we have to assume is coronavirus related until we hear otherwise. So, um, you know, I think you'd rather have a position player have COVID right now than a pitcher because it's not going to affect, um, like there's no such thing as a hitter building up his workload, right? So you can go yeah. five, six innings. Um, but it's still, it's still a factor. I mean, it's still something where, you know, we've, we've seen guys like Freddie Freeman and Scott Kingery talk about just how absolutely terrible um, this virus is when you get it and you get kind of the, the worst end of the, of the symptoms. Um, so, I mean, it, it could impact Lux's availability for opening day and it maybe could result in them sort of slow playing him out of the gates. Uh, so I just think that that was enough for me to, you know, out of the three guys in this tier, I don't think anyone would pick anyone other than Robert to lead this tier in plate appearances this season. And for me, I'm, I'm really chasing plate appearances in a shortened season. So that, that was enough for me to put Robert in the, in the top spot. Nice. Yeah. I hear you innings and, and at bats going to be so valuable this year. And yeah, I was reading up a little bit about MLB's protocol, just looking into Charlie Blackman's case. Cause as of, July 7th, so yesterday, he was still quarantined. Apparently, you have to pass two positive tests in the span of, uh, or you have two negative tests in the span of 24 hours to be cleared to return to camp. So, yeah, if you, you know, this is just completely uncharted territory. We don't know when some of these guys will be back because they have to, to pass those tests. But if you're a pitcher right now in camp, I am really pretty worried about you being ready on time. Who knows? Uh, some of these guys if they will A, be starters to start the year and, and B, how deep into games they'll go. We just don't know. But I saw another hitter has joined this top tier, Dylan Carlson. Do you see him staying down for a week to start the year as the Cardinals potentially look to gain that extra year control? Oh, man, it's such a tough call. Uh, I'm I'm kind of 50-50 on that. I, you know... I think he's one of their. I think he's one of their three best outfielders. I don't think that's really debatable, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be a dogfight in the the NF Central. Uh, so every win's going to matter, and having that DH spot gives them an extra spot to give playing time to someone like Tyler O'Neill. Uh, if that that would have been an obstacle previously, it m- might not quite be anymore, and I. 
I'm sorry, I, I know that Lane Adams gets some pub from the Cardinals beat writers. I do not see Lane Adams standing in the way of Carlson getting playing time. Um, but that that is a a big time piece for their long term future and getting that extra year of control. Uh, you know, as unethical as I think that is, I think it's something that could happen. But um, I think you just kind of where Carlson's getting drafted right now, it's not the worst thing. Like to take a guy in the 200s that you don't have for the first uh, matchup period of the season. Um, so I, I still think he could be a value in drafts. If he opens the year on the big league roster, then he's a steal at where he's going right now. Um, I just, I don't, I don't think anyone knows for sure what they're going to do with him. Tier two mixed league pitchers. I'm a little surprised to see who kicks off this tier. AJ Puck. I imagine that has a lot to do with Jesus Lazardo, his issues, and Jose Urquidy. And they're presumably COVID-related issues. I know uh, Lazardo, but um, Rikidi too, right? Or he's at least not in camp, right? Lazardo, we have confirmation, or we—it's been reported that he tested positive with Rikidi. We're kind of just assuming that he yeah. tested positive. Um, but yeah, like I said, those two to me, like Lazardo, Lazardo was almost in a tier by himself, and Rikidi was kind of in another tier by himself before all this. Uh, all these COVID tests and now just with the fact that I mean, I think it's probably going to be impossible for both those guys to be able to go uh, let alone six innings but I mean even like four or five innings I don't think they'll probably be ready to handle that right out of the gate so um, any you know any big league starter probably has a max starts this year of 12 or 13 uh, if you take that down to say nine with like Lazardo, you know that that's that's a quarter of his starts that he could have made uh, yeah. off the table potentially. So I think you you have to downgrade those guys. Um, you kind of almost have to view Lazardo and Urquidy as as like you're stashing them for a week or two at this point. So I, I love them, but um, it's just they're, they're behind the eight ball. And with Puck, we had a note. Uh, from earlier this month from Martin Gallegos of MLB.com that he should be free of any real workload restrictions in the 60 game season but does that to you mean that you know on a per game basis he's going to be throwing 100 plus pitches or do you still expect there to be some in-game pitch restrictions for puck well i don't think any i don't think i listed a single pitcher in this article that i would expect to throw 100 plus pitches in in their outings um but i think puck can go five plus innings um so i think that that's that's kind of all I need. Uh, to me, he's he's extremely underrated by a lot of people. Uh, I have him as a top 25 prospect. Um, so I, I really don't see a big gap between him and Lazardo at all from a talent standpoint. So with one of them being healthy and the other one having COVID, I think it's pretty easy to, to put him ahead of, uh, ahead of the rest of these pitchers. Yeah, I just know that given the short season and the teams also looking ahead to next year, Maybe you do want to maximize what you get out of each guy on a per-start basis, but you're probably right that we don't see them handling a quote-unquote normal pitch count in their starts. Uh, Dustin May right behind Puck, and with the news that David Price is opting out, it looks like May tentatively has a spot, don't you think? It's tough. I mean, I I feel kind of bad for Ross Stripling because I saw an article 
from a day or two ago about how he's just always wanted to be a starter and treated like a starter, and the Dodgers kind of refused to do that with him. Uh, you can sort of understand it from sort of a stratomatic type of standpoint, you know, of just like this makes the most sense for us to win. Uh, but the human element of it is is tough for a guy like that who who's probably a, a mid rotation starter on a lot of teams, and uh, I, I think it's it's going to be interesting to see if they go with May or Stripling. Um, I think regardless of who the fifth starter is, I think the guy that loses out on that spot is still going to be someone who I feel really good about starting, especially in fifteen team leagues because. Um, pitching in kind of a long relief role for the Dodgers should lead to some wins this year. Um, so, I, you know, I think May definitely has a shot at, at getting the fifth starter spot. Even if he doesn't, I still really like him in mixed leagues. And then Nate Pearson, who we mentioned earlier, he's right behind Dustin May and A.J. Puck. And, you know, with them playing the NL East as their interdivisional, you know, uh, partnering there, so they'll be playing 20 games against the NL East and then 40 against the AL East. That's a pretty tough road for Nate Pearson. Do you expect some bumps? Do you expect to draft him? Like, what are you? How are you handling Nate Pearson in redrafts? I doubt I'll end up with any shares of Pearson. Um, I'm just. I mean, there there are some people that have him as like a top 10 prospect. There are some people that. Um, think i'm absolutely crazy for where i have him ranked so i i am definitely not the high man on pearson um and i'm sure in some drafts there's going to be someone that goes nuts for him um so yeah i i don't expect to end up with him i could see myself getting some puck and some may shares i could see myself getting some kyle wright shares maybe even some clark schmidt shares from the guy we have to assume he opens here in the minors given the blue jays tracker the manipulating service time and uh yeah just a lot of a lot of tough matchups on the schedule for the the Jays this year. Mitch Keller, we've talked about. I don't think either of us really like him that much. I think we'll skip him unless you have anything to add. Uh, I, I did want to mention the last pitcher in this tier, though, Clark Schmidt. I believe, I don't want to speak for you, James, but I believe he was at least one tier down, maybe several in the original iteration of this, but really impressing in uh, these simulated games, it sounds like. At least the other day, it seemed like he was all the rave on Twitter. Yeah, just quickly, I do want to say, like, with Keller, he's healthy, which is good. Um, I mean, just just getting um, eyes on a guy <laughs> is, is a good sign right now. So Keller's healthy. That's good. He's He's been working out. Um, I, I like Kyle Wright. Like I said, I, I think he's a, a sleeper for sure. Especially with Felix Hernandez opting out, but yeah, with uh, Schmidt, um, man, I mean, you just you can't really find anything uh, but glowing praise coming out of Yankees camp. I mean, Aaron Boone seems to be smitten with Schmidt, and man, it, I don't know if it's really easy to argue. He's not one of their five best starters right now. Uh, not a high bar to clear that the back of that rotation. You know, hopefully Masahiro Tanaka is able to get ready. Um, for the start of the season, but Schmidt just looks like he belongs on the 30 man roster to me. I, I don't exactly know how they're going to use him, but to me, if, if Schmidt is my last pick in a mixed league draft right now, I'm pretty happy with that because you know, worst case scenario, I just cut him and move on early in the season. But on the off chance that he could open the year in that rotation, I really think that he could be a valuable piece this year. So, 
uh, everything just looks good. All arrows are pointing up. Um, he's healthy, obviously. Uh, so yeah, I think that he's a worthwhile flyer at this point. Smitten with Schmidt. I like that. That's the next Rotoware hot seller. I imagine. Uh, tier three mixed league hitters. This is kind of a collection of guys going. What would you say? Probably like around two hundred and beyond. I'm trying to think of who the highest ADP guy here is. Probably number one. Hayes. Yeah, Probably maybe Hayes. Hayes yeah, Mur- I was Murphy. Murphy Hayes, but um, these guys are. I mean, that's at that acquisition cost. They're pretty cheap. So these guys are pretty freely available. Why did you pick Sean Murphy as the head of this class? Uh, because of the fact he's a catcher, um, like he's a good catcher, like he's a, he's a number one catcher in fantasy. So just kind of a, a more scarce asset, more scarce commodity to me than guys like Hayes and Hilliard. Um, I also just think, I think there's something to be said of, of kind of loading up on like doing some sort of stack approaches this year. And so an, an A's offensive stack makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and yeah, I think Murphy's a, a easy top 10 catcher for fantasy. I think he's going to play a ton. Um, so yeah, that, that puts him ahead of these guys. I mean, they are very, very interchangeable though. Kind of like you mentioned, they're all kind of going in the same sort of range. Uh, I could, I could see a case for putting Hayes atop this list. Uh, he's going to play every day, probably lead off for the Orioles. So a lot to like with him as well. Um, I'm, I am kind of coming around on Evan White as uh, I know I think I said on the radio show maybe or on the podcast last week uh, that I was not that in on White but I'm kind of coming around to the idea of, of maybe targeting him late just because he is like my number 31st overall prospect and he's probably going to play every day so you might as well see if if he can hit the ground running uh, even though that's not a guarantee yeah I was doing a mock draft with the kind folks over at pitcher list last week. And I elaborated on this thought on the MLB show last week, but I mentioned that, you know, first base has kind of come become the catcher spot in that in shallower leagues. I'm just, if I don't get that top tier, I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting and seeing whatever I can get left. Like I, I missed out in that draft and that mock draft on, you know, I was thinking maybe I'll get Luke Voigt, didn't get him. Maybe I'll get Christian Walker, didn't get him, but I was fine with that because I knew there was always going to be, some option late that was in a regular role. You know, you know, I'm not giving up hope on Joey Votto. Uh, Evan White kind of fills that mix as well. Just a guy who, if you wait, he's a guy who should play every day and maybe hitting as high as like second in the lineup. So I don't, I don't hate yeah. Evan White at all this year. Nick Solak, I'm kind of souring on just because uh, at least one MLB.com article I read said, hey, Ronald Guzman and uh, Greg Bird resuming that first base battle. So, I just don't know where the heck Solak's going to play. I guess Guzman not cleared, by the way. So that's something to take. Yeah, I mean, he's just so much better than those guys, though. Like, I, I know that they're battling for the first base job. Um, but, I mean, it, he's, he's, he's undoubtedly just a better hitter than either of those guys at this point in their careers. And I think they could play Todd Frazier at first base if they wanted to play Solak at third. I mean... Uh, I don't think he'll have like a set position that he's playing every day, but I think he will be in the lineup almost every day. Very nice. Well, anybody else you want to talk about here? Madrigal, Fraley? No, I mean, I think it's pretty self-explanatory with these guys. 
Nice. Then tier four, this is where you get into the you know watch list area for for standard leagues. Maybe you take a last bench spot and use it for one of these players in a deeper 15-team league. But these guys are pretty fringe. Brendan McKay, Michael Kopech, Mackenzie Gore, Matt Manning, Sixto Sanchez, Forrest Whitley, pitchers for watch list. So, you know, McKay, we don't know his role exactly. Kopech, I think uh, that he had some sort of news lately, right? Was he... Uh, well, he's no he's away long. for a personal issue, um, huh. which I mean, who know who knows what that is. Um, so he's he's a total wild card. Kopech wasn't even a lock to be in the rotation anyway. So I mean, who knows when he'll report to camp? Who knows what kind of workload he'll be able to handle this season? Um, McKay, you know, Glasnow and Yanni Torinos might have COVID, so McKay could theoretically open in the rotation, but. I just I don't think the Rays are going to treat McKay like a traditional starting pitcher at all this year. I just think it's going to be kind of like four innings, four innings, five innings maybe. Um, occasionally maybe piggybacking with a Torinos or Yarbrough, right? Yeah, I mean, best case scenario for McKay's fantasy value this year is that he follows an opener. Um, I mean, that that would be ideal, but yeah, I just I think it's going to be tough to extract a ton of fantasy value from him. Um, the guy that I'm really starting to pay attention to is Matt Manning because, you know, he hasn't quite gotten the, the pub that Clark Schmidt has gotten. Uh, but Manning from everything I can tell is, is the absolute talk of, of Tigers camp in the early going. He seems to have really separated himself from Casey Mize. Uh, Tariq Skubal is, has yet to report. So he might have COVID, um, Manning just he looks good he looks ready uh from everything I've seen um the the team the beat writers everyone's kind of gushing about him so um I don't know if I would draft him in a 15 team league but uh, Manning's definitely a guy that I'm I'm keeping my eye on in, in the next couple of weeks and Gore I saw a tweet that he kind of struggled in a sim game against the uh big leaguers obviously just a blip but uh I, I don't know how to handle him I don't know when we see him uh, at all, so I'm probably not going to be drafting him myself. Uh, Whitley still making the list. He is not on the 40 man, right? But he is in the player pool. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, with with Gore, I that that AJ Casabell report. He mentions that Gore is viewed as a depth starting option outside of the real rotation mix, and then he followed that up like we were people saying, "Oh, really? You're going to re- overreact to like one." Um, one start early in camp, but um, Casabell basically said like even if he had shoved in that start, he was kind of outside the rotation mix. So if you're taking Gore and you believe their beat writer, uh, you're taking him as a stash candidate. He's not going to break camp in the rotation. Um, and then with Whitley, there I, I couldn't really find any kind of good recent information on Whitley. Um, He's he's practicing. I mean, he's healthy, so he doesn't have COVID. But uh, you know, Austin Pruitt and Framber Valdez seem like the guys that would probably open in the rotation if uh, Josh James and Jose Arquiti are not ready. But I just don't think you can say anything for certain with a guy as talented as Whitley. I mean, if he's looking really good in, in camp, he could very well vault himself into that mix. So. Uh, he's definitely a, a total wild card as well, but I couldn't really rank him any lower than this. T4, 
tier five hitters for watch list. We got Alec Bohm of the Phillies, Joe Adele, Brendan Rogers, Dalton Varsho, Christian Pache, and Cabrian Hayes. I think the big name here, of course, is Joe Adele. And I just kind of wondering, like, you know, you have Luis, well, Luis Robert makes sense because he signed the extension, but Dylan Carlson up in tier one. Joe Adele all the way down in Tier 5. So why are you less confident in Adele debuting and having success than you are Carlson? He had a 33% strikeout rate at AAA and a 50% strikeout rate in spring training. So I just I don't think he's ready. Uh, I think he might. Like I, I wouldn't rule out him opening on the 30-man the roster. Um, I mean, Artie Moreno, I don't, I don't think Artie Moreno's looking – seven years down the road, really. Um, so I, I wouldn't yeah, rule out I Adele. So. <laughs> I wouldn't rule out <laughs> Adele opening the year on the 30-man, but I just I think it would be in kind of a part-time role. Uh, I mean, I think if he were to just really rake and, and do a lot of damage, he would certainly take over an everyday role. But I think if he's on the 30-man, it would be kind of in a, an outfield rotation with guys like Goodman and Michael Hermosillo. Um, so I just, I think, uh, Joe Adele's breakout year in the big leagues is not going to be 2020. So that's why he's further down here. Nice. Yeah. I think maybe things could change if Trout opts out. Do you think, do you agree with that? Like, um, cause they have so much invested, like if Trout opts out, maybe they do force the issue with Adele. Yeah. Um, I mean, at, at that point they might not have, a better option like even even if Adele's not necessarily ready uh Hermosillo is not going to be the <laughs> the answer there yeah. so um yeah Brandon Marsh is also in the mix yeah. uh, but but um I mean if Trout opts out it's kind of like how seriously do you take this season anymore anyways if yeah, you're the Angels but um I I guess if he opts out it, it gives Adele maybe a, a longer leash um, to get regular playing time, even if he struggles a little bit. But it, it just boils down. Like, if I thought Adele was going to have a good year in the big leagues this year, um, even if he was blocked, he would be higher than this. I just don't think – there's there's no recent evidence that uh, his strikeout issues are going to not be an issue against big league pitching this year. Yeah, man, it's a hard game, and we we need to rely on what we've seen to to gauge future performance and estimate. And yeah, I agree with you that we just haven't seen enough out of Adele with the the bats a ball to think he'll have success right away, even if he does debut right away, which is a stretch. Um, Christian Pache with Nick Markakis opting out did that bump him up the list? Yeah, um, yeah, it did, and and Pache is on the forty man. Um, Drew Waters is not on the 40 man. So that's, that's a big, uh, difference right there. And Pache, you know, Waters is a great defender too, but the Braves at least know, you know, even if Pache is not quite ready to handle big league pitching, we at least know the glove's going to play, uh, and provide value. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that he could definitely enter that mix. Um, and I mean, he might even, he might even spend the bulk of the season on the the, the big league roster just because of that 40-man status and the, the fact that Marquez has opted out. Tier 6, relievers and likely relievers. Three players in this tier, James Karinchek of the Indians, Hunter Harvey of the Orioles, 
and Brian Abreu of the Astros, one of our favorite sleepers here on this pod. Um, but I'm kind of wondering, after Brandon Hyde said Hunter Harvey, you know, he strongly hinted. I think if you watch that quote that Craig Mish got a while ago, a few months back, it made it pretty clear that Hunter Harvey will be the primary closer for the Orioles. But bad team, and it seems like you're just not really looking to grab that guy, even if we do assume he's in the role. Yeah, I just I don't know. I, you couldn't really expect I mean, that you're going to definitely have, so if it's, it's a, what, like a nine-week season, you're definitely going to have some weeks where you don't get a single save from him. Oh, so no. is that really, five is that, weeks. <laughs> yeah, is that, is that really worth one of your nine pitcher spots in a weekly league? I mean, to me, it's, it's not really. I'd rather, I'd rather just have a, a lights-out reliever on a good team who's not getting saves than a guy like Harvey on a, a really bad Orioles team. Yeah, Brian Abreu is really interesting and could be one of those guys, kind of like in the Pomeranz vein, where it's just, you know, ratios anchor, gives you one less active starting pitching or active pitching spot to worry about. And you just kind of set it and forget it and stream in the other, you know, back three spots or whatever you have in your active fantasy lineup. I, I do kind of like Abreu to, to be a really good ratios guy, maybe vulture some wins as well. But I do think it's kind of interesting that you're not in on Harvey given what you've said about closers and you and i are kind of in another camp from seems like the uh the majority is pushing up the top tier closers but i just don't really understand but i know you said you wanted to shift your strategy from where it was over a full season to to really fading the the position at large right yeah but i i just you know i'm I'm still i'm the guys that i'm in on are guys that i think can low-key get a decent amount of saves um like a like a guy like daniel hudson on a good team yeah even if he's only getting 50 percent of the saves i trust him to be more reliable week to week than i do a guy like harvey um sure. i mean the, the orioles are just so bad like I, the, their their rotation their their offense like they're just they're gonna be really non-competitive and there's nothing more frustrating than having that closer on a bad team where you're often tempted to bench them. And then inevitably some of the weeks where you bench them, they get like two saves and uh, it's just, it's just a headache. I don't really want, I, I like the Drew Pomerantz types. Um, yeah, I like the Seth Lugo types because they're on good enough teams where they're at least getting wins when they're not getting saves and that type of thing. I mean, I just, with Harvey, you're not getting wins. You're probably not getting many saves. And I know that the stuff is is looks really good, but, I mean, it's not like he has a long track record of being productive in the majors either, so you're not even getting guaranteed good ratios. So I just, to me, he's, you know, you're chasing saves, but to me I'm not chasing them to that extent. Yeah, I just want to talk about a little bit about this generally because I don't understand the case for push, pushing up the top closers. Like, is it... Generally, that well, you want to avoid that mid, those mid and late tier guys because they're going to be so like unpredictable. I just don't really understand the case for actually pushing closers up because the volatility. Sorry, my mic was cutting out there for a second. The volatility is just so great with that position anyway. Then you throw in such a short season. I don't see how you know what you're getting at all with that draft capital when you're spending like a top. You know, 60 pick on Kenley Jansen, who I liked previously at ADP. Yeah. You and I are 
in lockstep on this one. Um, well, <laughs> I wonder what I wonder what will shake out in our main event draft. But um, yeah, yeah I, I love popping a guy like Robles, Hansel Robles, uh, something yeah. like that. Like, and then maybe getting Daniel Hudson. You know, I just don't see the case because you really have no idea what you're getting in a short season. I, these guys. I also I like the idea of planning on using say forty percent of your fab on pop up closers during the season and like just just knowing that you're gonna get aggressive on those guys when I mean closers are inevitably gonna get hurt this year and you know some might even test positive for COVID still um beyond the guys that already have. And so there there will be saves on the waiver wire. And I think you could go into the year just knowing it's a 60-game season. I am going to set aside this much of my fab specifically just on pop-up closers. Like I think that that's uh, another way to kind of go about this in, in terms of which resources you're going to use to address the position. Um, I, I admit that my approach is not going to lead to me winning any of these leagues I haven't drafted yet. I'm not going to win the, the saves category. Uh, but I think I can, you know, with some breaks, I mean, you're going to need luck to win any league, um, but with some breaks, I think I could finish, you know, eighth maybe in saves, ninth in saves in a 15-team league uh, if I draft the right guys. Um, I just, yeah, I, I'm with you. I can't use a, a top 100 pick on a closer anymore. I just think it's it's there's too much that could go wrong. Yeah, and even Hunter Harvey on, like, a bad team, you know, with some of these closers – you just have no idea where the saves totals are going to be, the number of save chances. So even a guy like Harvey could, I don't know, he could out outproduce some of those top guys in just that saves category because in a 60-game season, those those numbers are going to be all over the place in, in such a small sample for each individual reliever. And closers on bad teams get saves too, James. So I'm just trying to make a little bit of a case for Harvey, I also kind of like Taylor Rogers, or not Taylor Rogers. I do like Taylor Rogers, but Tyler Rogers in San Francisco, another bad team. But it sounds like he may be in that mix. Yeah, um, I mean the the difference for me, like the difference between like Harvey and a guy like Shane Green last year, was Shane Green at least got to face the AL Central. Like Harvey gets Harvey gets the Marlins for a few games. And then, like, the next worst team he gets is, like, the Blue Jays. So, <laughs> yeah. I just don't think I just don't think there are going to be a lot, of, a lot of saves there. That's fair. Well, Tier 7 Deep League Pitchers. Patrick Sandoval on this list, heading up this tier. Justice Sheffield, Logan Webb, Tony Gonsolin. Not a name I've thought about much this draft season. Randy Dobnak of the Twins as well. Uh, Sandoval with the six-man rotation there in... in uh, Anaheim, and then with the uncertainty of guys like Canning and others, I do expect to see Sandoval toe in the rubber pretty often. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think uh, especially these first two guys, Sandoval, Sheffield, and Webb, uh, I think the starts will be there. I just, you know, I, I like Sandoval the most of these guys by quite a bit, but even with him, he's more of a matchups guy or like a maybe a, a two-star week if I'm, I'm desperate for innings or wins. Uh, these are not guys that I think you should invest in and think, oh, this is someone I'm going to be starting most weeks. They're, they're still mostly matchup guys. And then Gonsolin and Dobnik are 
just really good team context. So if for whatever reason they were thrust into a, a starting role, I think they would at least be worth streaming, especially in the, the good matchups. Tier 8 deep league hitters. Kyle Lewis leads this one off, then Mauricio Dubon, Nico Horner, Abraham Toro, Edwin Rios, Reese McGuire, Ryan Mountcastle, Jake Cronenworth, and Jorge Mateo, now with the Padres. And I know Mauricio Dubon has some truthers out there. He's maybe got a little bit of speed, seemingly projects for an everyday role, but you're not really a big believer, it seems like. No, I'm not. I mean, he he really does not have much pop. He's got a really pretty swing. Uh, you can fall in love with his swing if you just see him hitting in a cage or something, but um, just does not does not have much over the fence pop. Uh, the stolen base totals in the minors, I think, oversell his his speed. Um, you know, you could take him and maybe he'll get you like eight steals in a shortened season, but I just think what he's going to give you in runs, home runs, RBI. You're gonna you're gonna be getting um, negative um, production, I think, in those three categories. So it's just not that appealing to me. And tier nine hitters for watch list two. This is like the big bunch of who knows if we'll see them debut. Pretty pretty much long shots, wouldn't you say? This tier. Yeah, you know the the catchers in this tier, like Joey Bart, Ryan Jeffers, might be the most likely guys to debut, just given the natures of the the catching position. And the fact that teams are going to kind of need as many catchers as they can get. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the vast majority of these guys probably don't play in the majors this year. But uh, like I said, anything can happen, especially the guys on the contending teams. Like, I'm sure the Twins are not going into this season expecting to lean on Alex Kirilov much. Uh, but if they deal with an injury to Miguel Sano or Nelson Cruz, this is a team that still has World Series aspirations, so they're going to turn to their best option to fill that spot, and that could be a guy like Kirilov. Uh, similarly with um, like the Rays, you know, if they just get decimated by injuries, maybe Franco or Josh Lowe become options for them. Um, maybe the White Sox are dealt with a, an injury to Edwin Encarnacion or Jose Abreu, and they decide that they're willing to start Andrew Vaughn's clock. Uh, even even if the Twins, like if, if Mitch Garver gets hurt, I think Ryan Jeffers is their next best internal option there. So, I mean, I uh, wouldn't rule out any of these guys, but on the whole, they're not guys that I'm even considering drafting right now. Yeah, I'm pretty much with you. And, you know, uh, one guy here who I was a little bit excited about, not really, but I did grab him in a couple draft champions, have him in RDI, is Jared Oliva of the Pittsburgh Pirates, I look at that outfield, Gerard Dyson, Gregory Polanco, who knows? Brian Reynolds should have a spot of healthy, but there would seem to be time, but it just seems like this year like he probably just, uh, in a short season, not going to be able to crack the, the active roster. But he has yeah, that speed I, element that everybody loves. I, I guess it's, yeah, I wanted to include him because just on the off chance, even if, you know, for whatever reason, if the Pirates deal with injuries or, Oliva is just really impressing in satellite camp, and they just kind of want to give him a bit more of a challenge. There's a scenario where he could debut this year, and if he does, I, I definitely think his speed makes him interesting in pretty much all roto formats. Yeah, a guy I'll be hanging on to an RDI. By the way, I didn't enter fab bids, but did RDI fab run? Any notable pickups? Uh, Ian and I got 
the most expensive pickup of the week. Um, Cameron Maven for 13 bucks. I actually do like that. I know they said that he would have been leading off on the original opening day. Had they, uh, had that gone through, but yeah, I kind of like that. How much do you spend on cam? 13%. Okay. 13. Nice. Yeah. I need to make some moves, but I, I just couldn't do it this week. I need to, uh, I need to get back in the habit though, because soon enough, my Sundays are going to be accounted for essentially. Yeah. I mean, I, I know it's, uh, it's, it's tough to get those moves in on a holiday weekend, July 4th, but, um, I just wanted to give everyone as many opportunities as, as I could to kind of, um, make their rosters legal and replace any injured guys. And yeah. I still need to make stuff, mine so. legal, but I have, I appreciate doing that. I have a few more weeks yet to do that. I just, um, wanted to enjoy one of my last free Sundays, James. But soon enough, the sure. main event, your online championship as well. We're going to be busy once again. Your your online championship beat James Anderson. Do you remember when that's set up for? Um, yeah, I will pull that up quick because I know uh, mine is July twenty first at ten p.m. Eastern. Join. We already got it half filled, I saw, but I mean, I was like the seventh person, so it's not like I half filled it, but I, was, I know still a few spots left. Mine is July 15th at 8 p.m. Eastern, and let's see how many people are in that one. Um, I mean, if people know that it's the Beat James Anderson League, I'm sure it's full. They probably don't know that, um, but it might, might still be full just because... <laughs> Everyone's got the itch. Yeah. And I highly recommend you go support and play on the NFBC. And if there aren't 600 games in Major League Baseball this year, you will get refunded. Just want to throw only, uh, only five of the 12 people have signed up for my league. So um, people must not know that I'm in it. Uh, you should go check that out. Um, 7.15, uh, July 15th at 8 p.m. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Doing a few mains as well, and really admire how they've handled things over at the NFBC. I'm looking forward to playing, even if it is a sprint and kind of a crazy year where you don't really have as much control over things as you would in a normal roto season. I still think skill will win out for the most part, and I'm still excited to to play and really dive into it. Um, again, we're going to be tracking all the coronavirus cases over at RotoWire, all the latest news. In notes, we have uh, closures and waiting ranked on the site, and Daniel Hudson, who you mentioned, is number one. And uh, I know Corey Knable is pretty high, but do you know about him, by the way? I've been meaning to ask you about Knable. What's uh, coming out of rehab work cautiously, it sounds like? Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like he looks really good. Um, I would expect him to probably never pitch back-to-back days this season. Um but do you but expect I, him to I factor still, into some saves chances? Yeah, yeah. I would I would take the over on I would take the over on four and a half saves for Knable this year. Okay. That's a um, good that's but, a good over under spot, I'd say. Yeah. Um and then so with that I assume you're still fading hater pretty heavily. Um Yeah, I mean I I just think the prices. Yeah, I, I guess I don't know where the ADP has been in the last week, but um, pre-shutdown the price was kind of prohibitive for me. Um, but we'll see. Uh, 
Yeah, you have to jump into that pool eventually, and that's what I found myself in the mock, but I found myself not wanting to jump into the closer pool until about the Hansel Robles range. Um, but even even that range is thinning out. Gallegos, who knows? Uh, there's some other guys up in the air. So, has yeah, Neris. There's wow. like nobody in Philly to, that's like an obvious replacement, except maybe Vince Velasquez if they make that move. Yeah, it's possible. Maybe yeah, Nick. Uh, what's his name? <laughs> guy that everybody's hyped about last Nick year. Yeah, Pavetta. I forgot his last name for a second, but yeah, I, mean, I don't know. There's just the guys there, like Alvarez. I just don't see any of them closing. So maybe it's time to transition somebody from that rotation, make them the closer. Well, James, let's move on to the hip hop draft before we wrap things up today. This is our last pick of the draft, right? So uh, we're gonna, I know. Last, oh yeah, I, I kind of written off the Midwest spot just as a. <laughs> <laughs> you're punting, you're punting. Me yeah, up, so. I mean, that's just been out of sight, out of mind for so long. Um, So, yeah, I have one more, I think, the East Coast spot to fill. And I don't know about you exactly, but this will be the second to last pick of the hip-hop draft. Yeah, and you have the first pick because I sniped you on DJ Premier last week. Yeah, I was really stupid for not moving uh, RZA out of that producer spot or i could have just put premiere into the east coast spot that was that was a big mistake on my part but anyway i'm going to add a fourth woo member i believe this is my fourth i got uh yeah this is fourth because i have raekwon rizza jizza now i'm going to add the other family member here the original like woo clan startup old dirty bastard big baby jesus dirt mcgirt uh, I know he went by for a little while. And by the way, I was excited when he signed with Rockefeller, but then watching that Wu-Tang doc, I realized just how bunk that was, how how whack those people were, and trying to make ODB such a, like a commercialized cash cow. But I, I love ODB, and I was a real big fan of the original Return to the 36 Chambers. And then he went on to have quite a bit of you know mainstream success and really some bangers. Um, I'm going to need to dig up what song I want to use, but I think ODB, RIP to, to him, deserves a spot because, you know, a lot of people kind of think, oh, he's just a crazy, crazy guy who's kind of a gimmick, but he was really talented and very unique, Asan Unique, another nickname, and I, I feel like he deserves a spot because originality and flow is something I value, and nobody like him, and really that name old dirty bastard stems from the fact that there is no father to his flow. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't have said any of that better than, than you just did. Um, it was a very informative that, that Wu-Tang documentary, um, of Mike's and men. Uh, yeah, that was really good to me. I, to I learned a lot about ODB on that one. Yeah. I love ODB and I thought, you know, he had it pretty rough and, I know he was just, like, shot at randomly when he was, like, doing nothing. And then they, the police said that he was shooting back at them. But it was, he just had some tough breaks. And uh, people kind of look at him as, a, again, kind of a comedy figure, a gimmick when it comes to hip-hop. But he was awesome. And uh, I love ODB. I think I'm just going to go with Brooklyn Zoo because that was probably the first ODB song I heard. And it still holds up. I still listen to like the RZA hits, 
which is like the Riz's, uh, you know, all timer just compilation and uh, all those old ODB songs hold up. Yeah. Um, it's, especially the, the pre Rockefeller ones hold up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, did he ever even release anything with Rockefeller? Maybe there, he did. There was like some sort of weird, um, it was like a, an EP maybe. Uh, I think like it was basically like whatever was left of his attempted album. I think that yeah. eventually got released or something. But, um, that was kind and, of a sad situation when he got out. And I get that he wanted to make some money with Rockefeller, but it seemed like they just didn't really care. He was just like a hanger on with them. He didn't seem to be a, a priority for Rockefeller at all. No. Um, all right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna fill my 2010 spot uh, with ASAP Rocky. Um, this is, uh, you know, I, I considered a lot of guys here. Uh, I considered Future. I considered Young Thug. Um, I already took Kendrick Lamar for the West Coast, but um, ASAP Rocky, probably my second favorite rapper of the decade, behind Kendrick. Um, love all of his albums to date. Um, even his, his pre-studio ones were, were pretty awesome. I'm going to go with uh, Jukebox Joints for the song. That's off of uh, his, his second studio album. Um, just really like his flow, really like, uh, really like his style. Um, and uh, kind of has that, to me, he's kind of got the like 90s, type of um style and flow but with sort of 2010s production um so gonna lock up that that 2010 spot i think it's funny that both you and i took guys for our 2010 spot that have the dollar sign in their in their official names oh that is a unique (laughs) twist um Yeah, this is, I admit the 2010s an era that I'm kind of out of the loop on. I, I took Currency, who I do like, but the, it was slim pickings for me in that range, I admit. I've kind of, I don't know, the new sound I'm not as into. But by the way, if Andrew Redding can do me a solid and you know, make a little adjustment to the rules and maybe throw a second ODB song on there, and this is kind of cheating, but I have four Woo members, so I'd love for him to add Reunited to the playlist. Just kind of a freebie, but just to spice up the... Uh, the playlist make it a little better. And ODV's verse on Reunited is legendary. Come to the cookout. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, why didn't yeah, why didn't why wasn't that your ODB song? Oh um, well, it's I don't know. It's a woo I song. mean any 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 playlist would be better with Reunited on it. So. Yeah. Even Nick Whalen likes Reunited. Yeah. That's I mean, that's how you know it's good. Yeah. I mean that's I think if there's one definitive woo song, I think somebody was talking about this and maybe it was Ralph Lifshit said Triumph. Or no, there was that meme about you know that giant speaker. Like, what song would you play? And mm-hmm. somebody said Triumph. I think I would maybe go with Reunited. But anyway, James, great stuff. Appreciate your time, and definitely check out his latest article, rotowire.com slash free for a free ten day trial. Hope we will catch you next week on the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. <laughs>
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.